Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Isaac here, Civil Engineering Academy. I'm excited today about another podcast episode that we have for you. I bring on a, a Civil Engineering Academy alumni. He passed his PE exam recently. I bring on Matt Fangella, and he is actually a contributor to a lot of the content that we produce now here at Civil Engineering Academy. But he recently passed his PE exam, and we wanted to have him jump on and talk about his journey. He specializes in environmental and water resources, as he works in Virginia, he works in the government sector and works on a lot of floodplain management and environmental response projects. In fact, we detail some of the projects that he works on, including the first of its kind in the country, which I won't spill the beans on, but you'll find out in this episode that we talk about. He has a lot of tips in regards to helping you pass your PE exam. We talk a lot about Civil Engineering Academy and it helped him, but uh, he's also working on his MBA from Old Dominion University as well. So really well-rounded, started his uh, career, you know, going to school in biology, was going to become a doctor, switched tracks to become a civil engineer, went back, got a degree in civil engineering, and now works heavily in the environmental world over there in Virginia. So we're just excited to, to share the breadth of knowledge that Matt has. We're excited that he's sharing that content with us as well. And I think you're really going to enjoy this episode with all that we talked about, including some amazing PE tips. They're going to help you ace your exam. So anyway, that was a long introduction, but I think it's a good one. But the episode's going to be coming up right after this. Today's podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is awesome. It's 100% real chocolate, 100% delicious. If you have not tried these, I don't know what's wrong with you. They recently came out with a coconut brownie chunk, which is amazing. I'm a big coconut fan, so if you're in the coconut camp, you got to try that. If not, what's wrong with you? Just kidding. They have lots of other different flavors, so go check them out. They have strawberry, they've got cherry lime, peanut butter brownie, coconut, again, different types of coconut bars, raspberry, double chocolate, and all kinds of stuff. This stuff is way better than a candy bar for you. Definitely a snack you want as you're studying for your FE or PE. It's got 130 calories, only 2.5 grams of fat, 4 net carbs, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. This is way better than what's out there for other protein bars and definitely better than candy bars. So go check it out at civilengineeringacademy.com slash built and use our discount code of C-I-V-A-C and you'll get a 10% off on anything that you order there. So go check that out. Hey guys, if you haven't already, I want to let you know about our awesome newsletter. If you haven't signed up for the Civil Engineering Academy newsletter, seriously, what's wrong with you? I'm just kidding. Go check it out though. You'll get all the latest episodes that we produce, blog articles, exams, discounts, course material, all this fun stuff is through our newsletter. So if you haven't signed up, go check it out. That's civilengineeringacademy.com slash newsletter. You'll be taken. Go sign up and uh, you'll start getting our fun newsletters that we send out usually once a week. So go check it out, civilengineeringacademy.com slash newsletter and go sign up. All right, Matt, thanks for jumping on to the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. Appreciate you jumping on today and doing this with me. You're welcome, Isaac. Thanks for the opportunity to come on. Uh, Civil Engineering Academy has been a huge help on my journey 
to become a licensed professional engineer. And I'm really excited to sit down and, and talk with you and you know, share some content with our listeners today. So thank you. Yeah, awesome. We'll get your experience with all the stuff that we've made. But um, before we, I guess, jump into that, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your own background, like how you found yourself into this world of civil engineering? How did you get here? Sure. So I was originally a biology pre-med student at James Madison University, Go Dukes, up in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And like I said, I was studying biology. And in my junior year, I had a summer internship in water quality monitoring with the state environmental agency. And then also had the opportunity to return the following summer, senior year, to continue the internship. And in that time, too, a full-time position came up in air quality engineering, so still in that environmental realm. And my idea at the time was I was preparing to take the MCAT and studying for that for a year. And I was going to plan to pursue medical school admissions and go down that route. And in that time, I kind of saw what some of my friends were going through in the medical school realm and how long of a path that was and realized that that might not be the best path for me. And, you know, had a solid professional job with good benefits. And I realized that if I wanted to stay on this path, I would need a civil engineering degree and ultimately a professional engineer license to move, move up and move along in that career. So I headed back to school at night while working full time and pursued my civil engineering degree. In the meantime, got my FE, passed the FE exam, got the license, EIT designation, excuse me, from the state, found a license as a designation at that level. Graduated with the civil engineering degree. In the same time to profession, I moved from air quality engineering after two years into stormwater management and also pollution emergency response work, as well still within the government realm at the state level, and then also jumped ship to a local public works department and worked there for about two to three years and recently took the PE exam in September of 2022. I'm officially a licensed professional engineer as of November of 2022, and I'm still currently working local government as a coastal engineer in um, the Hampton Roads region of Virginia. Wow. So kind of a meandering path, but got there, and um, it's been a fun journey and a lot of great people. I've met along the way and a lot of great people have helped me out. So incredibly grateful for the journey. Awesome. Was that a hard decision to make, switching from the medical world to engineering? Or was it just Absolutely. kind of there in front of you and you were like, Mom, I'm going to do this because I like it? Or how was that decision? Sure. Made? So part of it was difficult just because you're know, like going through school and the pre-med, you know, you're always geared towards the pre-med and the med school and you, know, you have that community and that peer and friend group throughout your classes and some of the extracurricular activities and you know, student organizations and things. So to give that up, it did feel like you were giving up a whole ton of work. But yet the engineering, like you said, was kind of right in front of me, a path that I could go to school while still working full time. That was very beneficial just to me personally. So it was right in front of me, but to switch gears, I guess, and to quote, give up on the, the medical path was a decision to be made for sure, not to be more lightly. Yeah, for sure. I imagine that's a difficult one to make. Well, we're glad you uh, jumped ship and joined the civil engineering community. So I think you're doing a lot of good stuff. You did tell us what you do for a living, but I think a lot of people don't quite know what a coastal engineer maybe does. Could you dive into what they do in general? What they do in general? Uh, Many civil engineers aren't on the coast, and many are. But it, you know, a lot of people don't help kind of round out what a coastal engineer does in this community. 
like you said, it's very geographic or region specific. Here in the Panther Roads region of Virginia, we are right on the coast of the Atlantic Ocean and the Chesapeake Bay. So uh, plenty of opportunity. As a coastal engineer, project manager, I work and manage flood mitigation projects, stormwater drainage projects, dredging projects, and just overall flood protection projects. Uh, I also oversee 7.5 miles of the city's beachfront. So working on nourishment projects, dredging, things like that. Also a unique um, aspect here along the coast is hurricanes and other coastal events, nor'easters, just very rough storms. And in that role, I'm involved with the emergency response and manning the emergency operations center, we call it the EOC. During storm events, we conduct pre and post damage surveys of the beachfront with the third party engineering consultant contractor. They fly um, LIDAR and um, aerial and drone footage and take surveys. And then we work closely with the Army Corps of Engineers in submitting any damage that the storm has impacted onto the beach. And um, now sometimes there's some opportunity to receive federal funding um, to make necessary repairs and wow. those type of impacts from the storm mitigation requirement. So definitely a variety of work, no opportunity. Have you had a recent them. storm you've had to worry about? Has there been a recent one? We did have a tidal storm back in late October of this year. However, it didn't have the impact that we thought so everything was okay, but we were activated for a couple of days and, um, you know, on call and coordinating with other departments. And, um, we did also fly the damage survey, nothing too serious was noted. So that was good. That's great. Well, it sounds unique and it sounds like it's a fun branch in the civil engineering world. So people are on that coastline. I think it's a good, good area to get into. So as we chatted earlier, there was a, a massive project you've been working on the Norfolk Coastal Storm Risk Management Project. I guess you've touched upon that maybe a little bit, but can you describe the scope of that project to us and what was involved with that one? Sure. So the Norfolk Coastal Storm Risk Management Project, or CSRM, is a U.S. Army Corps of Engineers project. The project is a 65% federal and 35% non-federal local government shared project, and that really refers to the cost breakdown and some of the roles and responsibilities. It's a total of $2.3 billion, and it received $400 million from the infrastructure bill in early 2022. Previously, from 2016 to 2019, Army Corps, in collaboration with the local government, did a feasibility study for the Norfolk CSRM, and a lot of that funding was generated from Superstorm Standy back in 2012. Receipt of the funding here in January 2022 is really what launched the project from an idea on the shelf to we're actually doing this. The project itself and the scope includes constructing 8.5 mile flood wall around the city, as well as three tidal surge barriers. With that, two will be constructing several pump stations, at least five, maybe a few more, because if we currently the stormwater system is gravity drain. So if we build a flood wall like that, you kind of build the swimming pool, now you need to drain it. So then the stormwater system is going to have to be pumped. So there'll be some very large pump stations involved with that. And also while all this structural work is going on, we also have our non-structural program, which refers to elevating and basement filling homes, raising homes, elevating them across the city. So there's 800 privately owned structures identified across the city that are in need of elevation or basement fill, and also four critical infrastructure facilities, a couple of fire stations, water treatment plants, things like that, that I'll need some attention as well. So overall, it's supposed to be a 10 year project we're in the preliminary engineering and design phase currently, and um, 
will be entering a construction phase in 2023 and hope to be breaking ground by mid-2024 officially. So are these homes in a floodplain or is it just because of the crazy storm event? I mean, the of a hurricane. Is it sure. like, um, why were the homes raised earlier, I guess, is my question in general. Some of the floodplains and flood mapping has changed. We have, you know, increased sea level rise, climate change, and resiliency aspects. So structures were identified to a prescribed base level as described in the technical report surrounding the project and that anything above that or lower than that elevation needs to be raised up to that elevation to just reduce risk and gotcha. account for ever-changing climate and sea level rise. Well, maybe I'll bug you with a couple just more questions on that project. Has there been some challenges that you have faced that have been kind of a pain point for you? Absolutely. So this is the first project, the first CSRM project in the country. Other communities are currently going through the study phase. So there are pros and cons of being first, right? You know, the things that, you know, it's a lot of attention, get to be the leader, but with that, you also get to be the guinea pig. So learning on how to deal with a lot of the challenges, the federal government, the local government working together. We try to have a one team mentality, but you know, each one does have different systems and protocols, which can get bogged down at times. I think the biggest challenge on this, so as part of this project, the local government is 100% responsible for all utility relocation, as well as environmental remediation of the parcels along the alignment of the flood wall. So the utility identification relocation has been a challenge. Most of the areas are pretty old, dating back to at least 1800s. Identifying utilities that cross the flood wall alignment. You have, you know, public utilities in the form of, you know, drinking water, sanitary sewer, wastewater, and you have the other private utilities, electrical, overhead lines, fiber optic in the ground, just other unknowns. So really identifying those and really doing our homework before we actually have a contractor out there breaking ground to prevent, you know, change orders and, you know, cost overruns and things like that. A lot needs to go into that before anyone ever sees a shovel or an excavator out there, right? So that sounds like a, a huge undertaking. What have you, I guess, enjoyed about this project? I mean, as a first for the country, that's pretty notable. I imagine you're doing presentations or public speaking and things of that nature on this thing, or I guess that's a separate question, but what have you enjoyed about doing working on this project? Absolutely. We do a lot of public um, presentations, outreach, you know, explaining it in terms that, you know, the general public and citizens can understand and relate to managing expectations about timeline and, you know, continuous funding and things like that is very important. Also sharing it, we work, you know, at a regional level and um, sharing this, like I said, some other neighboring cities and localities are entering similar studies for this type of project. So it's been fun always like getting out and sharing the information. One of the things I also like about it is the opportunity to be involved in something at such a large scale. Like we say, it's the first in the kind of the country. The government has a, a desire to really do this project right and nail down a lot of our you know, lessons learned and be able to package this up and take it to other coastal areas such as you know, Charleston, South Carolina, Miami, etc. Also, professionally, I've had the opportunity to dive in further on geotech and structural, just from, you know, building the flood wall or looking at some of the challenges with elevating these homes. And so in that area, it's really stretched my role band as a civil engineer, project manager, kind of thinking about those because, you know, with more of the water resources background has been my specialty, but really have learned a lot um, in the structural and geotech realm just in my time on this and continue to do so every day. And then ultimately, civil engineering is a people profession. So getting out there, sharing the information with the public, like you mentioned, and the opportunity to serve and protect others, you know, their lives, property, and the environment. 
um, it's all great stuff. So happy part of it, small contributor to it. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like you're doing great things with that and I'm sure you'll be recognized for it. So congratulations on that big thing. Let's switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about your experience with the PE exam because that was a huge part of your journey in becoming obviously a professional engineer. Matt, you are a student of the Ultimate Civil PE Review course, which is a course we make here at Civil Engineering Academy. Could you run me through maybe a little bit about your journey, where you were before? I guess, what was your plans to study before, or maybe even how you found us and how the course helped you? Sure. So I think, you know, anyone in civil engineering has heard about the PE exams and the, quote, horror stories about preparation, taking the exam, things like that. As we all know, one of the wrenches in my studying and preparation was in January 2022, the exam went computer-based and limited you to, limited you, the test taker, to just the PE reference handbook. So that was a new system for all of us to navigate. And um, you know, a lot of the prep materials weren't updated to reflect that at the time and things like that. I found the process overall to be very difficult. The preparation, I think, was difficult, definitely taxed personal time and had to make a lot of sacrifice in that. Um, I started studying in January 2022 and planned to take the exam in June of 2022. I was very religious with the studying, um, dedicating uh, two to three hours a day, you know, a little more time on the weekends. And took it in June 2022 as planned. Admittedly, during that time, I used another test prep company that wasn't Civil Engineering Academy and um, took it in June 2022 and failed straight up. There's no two ways about it. I was pretty disappointed. And um, one, you know, failed the exam, but two, just have to go through all that prep again. And, you know, it takes a lot of time, like like we said. It's a big challenge when you failed an exam to have to do it again. A lot of engineers get stuck there, you know, they get stuck with that. Or if they fail it multiple times, they can get stuck there. But I applaud you for sticking to it. So good job. Thank you. So you took a different course, you failed that first time, and then keep going. What happened? So from there, I found out on a Wednesday, I think that seems to be kind of norm. Nowadays, people kind of find out on the Wednesday around 10 a.m. I'm on the East Coast, so I'm not sure how it reflects on other places. But anyway, so found out on Wednesday, and by 2 p.m. that afternoon, I was back enrolled, taking it September 2022, and um, you know, back, stayed with the same discipline, too. I think that's important to hear. A lot of people talk, oh, should I switch discipline? Should I not? Et cetera, et cetera. And I um, stayed with the water resources discipline. I figured, you know, we already had momentum built up. You knew something from the previous time spent. So um, let's just keep moving forward with that and in that direction. Um, that same afternoon, I also enrolled in the Civil Engineering Academy. I had seen the Civil Engineering Academy content, listened to your podcast um, pretty extensively throughout the preparation. Um, you know, when I say the content, I mean the you know, free sample practice problems on YouTube, which are great. And I really like the approach. I really like the friendly approach of the Civil Engineering Academy. So like I said, signed up for that kept studying throughout the summer and um, passed the exam successfully in September of 2022 on the second attempt. So very grateful, very relieved for that a journey. It took most of the year just in test prep, but it was worth it. It's a good feeling to have that done and off your shoulders. So awesome. Well, I'm glad you found us. It's exciting that and we were able to help you get through that. What would you share with the audience about if they are having to repeat it? Is there any advice you would give to somebody that's struggling to get through this exam? Sure. I guess I would start off with saying to sign back up and retake it. I think, like you said, a lot of people can get stuck on, you know, I failed the exam, especially maybe multiple failures. I've heard of people having to take it four or five, six times even. So I would say sign back up, keep the forward momentum going. 
you know, the longer you are away from it, you lose information you previously had. It becomes kind of more of a monster in your mind. You kind of have it over hanging over you. That can be difficult. I guess as a civil engineering academy content creator, I'd be remiss in not mentioning that we created a blog post on this topic. So I'd invite you to check it out at civilengineeringacademy.com and uh, several great blog articles over there. We talked about what to do if you fail the exam. Kind of talks about the same thing, identifying to your study habits, like where you think you went along on the exam, um, you know, things that challenge you. I would challenge any test taker 24 hours after the exam or try to get a piece of paper and just do a brain dump of like, hey, I struggle with this because that's information that you're going to forget quickly, but it's valuable in case you need to take the exam again. I think that the NECs printout that they give of the diagnostic report, if you fail the exam, I didn't find it very helpful myself. I felt it kind of confusing, actually, but definitely not detailed. So I would try to do my own brain dump of, you know, where I struggled, what I would focus on if I had to retake the exam, fingers crossed I don't, but I want to have that information and capture that and at least learn from the testing experience. I think something can be learned from going in and taking the exam, you know, regardless of pass fail, but you kind of see how it feels, you know, physically you're drained after that eight or nine hours. Um, you know, how does it look on the computer? And, you know, some of just some of those logistical things, but I would definitely, you know, get back in the saddle and keep cranking on it. Another thing too, I would recommend, I think Silver General Academy does a great job with is the variety and number of sample problems. Um, just keep practicing the sample problems and solving those problems using the same resources that you're going to have on the exam. So that's your PE reference handbook or the FE reference handbook in case of the FE exam, your NECES approved calculator, and then any exam specs you have, which are going to vary by discipline. Don't use anything else in solving your practice problems. Keep it right like you're going to see it on the test and know those resources and you know learn them as you're learning how to approach and solve these problems. So it sounds like you enjoyed the variety of problems. Is there anything else about the course that you thought was nice to have as a resource? Yes, I really liked the podcast because it could kind of be supplemental to some of the learning. You know, I was driving around, I was listening to podcasts. Yeah, that's nice. I call it the mobile university. <laughs> you know, we're trying to, you know, capture as much information as you can. I think, like I said earlier, I like the friendly approach to Civil Engineering Academy. Something that stuck with me was just like your welcome video where, you know, it's uplifting music. Like, oh, I am Isaac. You know, <laughs> we're here to help you every every step of the journey. You know, it's great. It's friendly. We know it's a stressful environment, but we're not making it that way or not overly emphasizing that. So I, I like the overall approach to Civil Engineering Academy. And um, I think a lot of people would agree with me. It was recently, I think, recognized as the top PE exam prep course for 2022. And um, I think another great resource too is the Civil Engineering Academy Exam Simulator, which you know does a good job of showing or replicating kind of those test day conditions and how everything looks on the screen, how it fits together, how it's going to appear on your screen, what functionality you're going to have, and you know the, just the logistics. Awesome. Yeah, and we just released that for public use. You can go grab it at civilengineeringacademy.com. Go find it under our exams. We also have one for the FE too that we have. So we're trying to give you an experience before you have the real experience. So, you know, let's get you practice under your belt and put you in a testing scenario. We do have the ability now to let people pause the exam, say in the middle of the first 40 questions, because we do know you have a life and taking maybe an eight hour exam is a time commitment. So maybe we could break that up into some chunks for you, but I'm glad that helped. A lot of people do. The course comes with uh, some support too through our community. And hopefully we're able to answer questions quickly as you had them as well. So appreciate all the good thoughts there. 
one of the other questions I had is what has been a challenge for you in getting the PE license even after you've passed the exam? A lot of people think, okay, I got the exam and it's done, but what's been a challenge for you to actually get those initials? Sure. So I think navigating the licensing process itself, like if you Google or Reddit or whatever search you do online, there's a lot of information about passing a PE exam, how to pass it, different people's experience, et cetera. There's not a lot of experience on, I passed the exam to unlicensed PE with PE after my name. And um, there was a lot of you know, hurdles to jump through. None of them are hard, but, you know, just the paperwork needed for, you know, your state licensing board, you know, the specific papers needed for the references, you know, tracking down transcripts, documenting the experience. I would highly recommend um, anybody to start documenting the experience in each position, as well as a supervisor or contact that can verify your experience in that position, because to try to track it down all together at the end, as you're trying to get the PE paperwork submitted, it's going to be a challenge. So, that process, I think, is just tedious. And again, we're doing this among our full-time job, the excitement about just pass the exam, our personal life. So there's, you know, it's not our sole thing just to try and track down paperwork. Something, too, that threw me off guard is on my state specifically had a regulation exam. So after you send in the application and all the paperwork, the references, the transcripts, and they reviewed everything, there was a complete application. Oh, and the application fee, they sent you a regulation exam. It was open book and an 80 page booklet on the regulations and then a exam, short exam, not as challenging as the PE one, but you know, another item that you know, I had a complete wait for, you know, it to be reviewed in the process and things like that. Also, a lot of people going to be asking, Hey, you still have EIT behind your name. You didn't update your email yet. Well, you can't call yourself a PE until you officially receive your license um, from the state board. So anyway, that's another challenge. Just make sure you're following you know, your local regulations. And uh, I think from start to finish, I was pretty on top of the process and moving it along. Like I said, I passed the exam in late September and by mid-November, I had officially had the PE license issued from the state board. So that can kind of give listeners a general idea of the timeline. So about two months or so. Wow. It's just something to keep in mind. Yeah. And every state is different. Some states that may be less. I know in Utah, I didn't have to take an additional exam, but places like California, you still have to take a seismic and survey exam, a whole separate deal there. So you really have to pay attention to what your state requires and follow those rules. And yeah, that's great to hear a timeline and kind of the next steps that you got to deal with as you get your PE license. So Matt spilled the beans a little bit, but you are a contributor to Civil Engineering Academy and Matt contributes to helping with practice problems, video practice problems now. He's awesome at water resources. This is his bread and butter and has written some amazing articles on our blog site too that will help you maybe fill in the gaps like this topic we're talking about, getting the actual PE after you've passed the PE, things of that nature. So I appreciate you jumping on doing that. Matt, you specialize in water resources. Would you recommend anyone else diving into that area? Absolutely. Um, you know, coastal engineering is a great excuse to have to live by a beach. So if you're into that, maybe that's a motivating factor. But the water resources, I get to get outside a lot, go to project site visits. Water is, you know, a needed commodity in our world, you know, regardless of where you are on the entire globe. So there always be a job and, um, you know, always an opportunity to contribute and serve. So I highly recommend getting involved. Um, also within the, you know, water resources, there's many different aspects. Um, you know, my, my background, like we talked about, is stormwater management, dredging, flood mitigation. But, you know, there's also the sanitary sewer 
and water treatment process as well as drinking water, public utilities type realm on that too. So a variety of opportunities and, you know, ways to pivot and kind of get involved with a variety of projects in the water resources around us. This just popped in my head, but maybe you could elaborate a little bit on this. You're in the government working in that sector. Do you see a difference between maybe, you know, if you're jumping into water resources or really any other discipline in civil engineering, working for a government sector versus a private sector? And what have you liked about working in the government sector? Sure, absolutely. I see a difference. I was saying the government sector, um, we're more on the project management versus, you know, detailed engineering design side of things. So a lot of like we talked about the utility conflicts and some of those things. I'm managing consultants or teams of consultants or contractors in the field to build a, you know, new stormwater pipe system or dredge a ditch or yeah. et cetera. Managed a dredging project um, earlier of January 2022. They received federal funding. So it's more on the project management side in the government and then reviewing a lot of you know, engineering drawings as well as reviewing them for also for compliance with federal, state, and local standards and specs. You know, on the private side, a lot of you know good friends and colleagues work on the private side and they have good things to say about that too. Sometimes you hear about the work-life balance on um, mm-hmm. the public versus private side on the work-life balance. And the government side is pretty solid and steady work, good benefits, typically. 40-hour weeks, good benefits, leave, retirement opportunities, and 401ks and things like that. So good benefits on the government side. A lot of great people do a lot of great things. You know, getting out in the community and kind of working on projects and we drive by and see something or know something about it's kind of unique and fulfilling as well. So I recommend looking into it. I was just curious your thoughts around that. So anyway, well, uh, we appreciate your contributions to Civil Engineering Academy. We appreciate you sharing your thoughts with the world. I think it's exciting to be able to pass that on maybe to the next generation or the the next person up. So appreciate you doing that. Are there any other resources you would recommend for engineers, either for uh, maybe it's specifically for their depth section they're preparing for or something that's helped you in your career or even just water resources in general? Is there any other resource you could recommend to our audience? Sure. One would be Civil Engineering Academy. I think regardless of where you are in your journey, there's a lot of great resources out there for either FE, PE exam, even you know, just a civil engineering student who's interested in high school, college, et cetera. Also a lot of good information just for engineers continuing their career. You know, since I started writing the blogs, I've tried to kind of wrap some of that stuff in there too, kind of on the professional development side for, you know, more established engineers in their career. So that would be a good resource. NSCE, American Society of Civil Engineers, is always a very good resource to get involved with infrastructure report card on the water resources side as well. There's also Water Environmental Federation, WEF, gone to some conferences with them here locally. And then also YouTube. Um, you know, if you're interested in it, um, you know, that's how I found out about Civil Engineering Academy, then you know, got my start. So, you know, YouTube, there's a ton of great resources on there. I really like the Practical Engineering channel. I know Brady was on with you previously, yeah. Isaac, which is how I, I learned about him. But you know, just YouTube search water resources, dredging, stormwater, water treatment, drinking water, things like that. See what pops up. I'm a lot of people contributing out there and good info and um, kind of get some more information from the comfort of your living room. Perfect. Love it. Well, uh, just a teaser, Matt's working on a sweet course for Civil Engineering Academy for the environmental engineering PE. So, so that's specific. That is not 
the water resources exam. This is specific to the environmental PE exam. So it's going to be good stuff. So a little teaser for people listening. So uh, we're excited about that. Matt, thanks for jumping on to the show. We appreciate you sharing your thoughts and your wisdom with us. And um, maybe we'll catch you on another episode. Absolutely. Thanks, Isaac. I look forward to coming back and talking with you again soon. And um, in the meantime, I'll continue working on that environmental PE course. I know we have a lot of interest in that. We're excited to get that initiative moving forward. So thank you again. Thank you. See you next time. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. Thanks for joining me today. If you want, please leave a review or a comment or a like. They definitely go a long way and share it with a friend because why not? It helps. Hey, if you're interested in becoming a guest, feel free to shoot me an email, Isaac at civilengineeringacademy.com. And if you know anyone or yourself personally, definitely check out our website, civilengineeringacademy.com, where we can help you on your journey to become a professional engineer, whether that's to help you pass your FE or your PE, or just get great career advice. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of this podcast and have an amazing outreach to other civil engineers, also shoot me an email and we'll be there to help you. Anyway, thanks for joining me today and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.